Welcome back to the 12 Sided Guys. We have Matt playing the smiting septuagenarian swordsman. Hi. Scott playing the accursed acrobatic abdicator. That's me. Jordan playing the endearing earthy exemplar. Ooh, salutations. Sabrina playing the huge hewer of heads. Hey there. And me, Paul, the guy who just learned what alliteration is, and can I just say, it is deceptively difficult to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it gets better. But thanks for hanging out with this quirky quintet. Thanks to you, our podcast is greatly growing grandly. Oh, man. (laughs) You can help reward us with a rapid ratings rise by rating, reviewing, and reporting our repertoire to relatives and roommates. (laughs) Wow. It takes a tiny tidbit of time and helps hordes of humans hear our history. That was a rough one. And if you want, you can help make our Patreon pizza possible while getting some really rad rewards. Anyway, if you first found Final Fantasy IV frustrating because you kept capering close to Capo, but too distant to discern the desert dwellings, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 55. That was a thing of beauty. So I guess got to say something real quick. The Final Fantasy IV thing. Do you remember that, Matt, when we first rented Final Fantasy II? Yes, I do. I do. Like, what, what are we supposed to do? And we just kept going around the outside of the desert, and we never got close enough to the center to see that there was a city there for the story to continue along. Oh, that's funny. We rented that game. We played it for hours trying to figure out where to go. And we couldn't, we, we found the cave. All we had to do was head straight into the desert, just go straight across, but we couldn't see the city. I didn't think it was in the middle. Wasn't it like kind of in like the center right? Well, it was in like the, the, the oasis and Capo was like right in the middle of the landmass. And we, if you like followed the coast, which is what we were doing for whatever reason. <laughs> <sighs> All you had to do is just walk straight like two more steps and we would have seen it. Oh, gosh. Yes. Anyway. So, yes, we were capering close to Kaipo. Yes. All right. Hey, welcome back to the Crystal Codex, episode 55. We are in Tabri post-shattering of Pavantis. Last time we were together, our heroes reunited. They had a great uh, reunion. Some of them had been together for a couple of days. Some of them had actually uh, met back up after a couple of years. And then one, Ebby, had been gone for quite some time, uh, three or four years. But they all got back together in the city of Tabri, noticed that there was some interesting things going on in town, including a prophet of Iramil who was um, spouting his dogma down at the pits, which is kind of the market um, of the city. Um, there were also these rough and rugged looking men and women with these little symbols of the of a tower on their jackets and on their cloaks. They had high collars. They were all armed, um, and they were moving through town. There was a couple of not really interactions, but eavesdropping uh, on some of their conversations. Apparently, they're here looking uh, for something or someone. Pine met with Queen Kira, and there's also an ambassador from the neighboring kingdom of Arkelvi, which is really just the city of Arkelvi who has just shown up. 
alleged ambassador. <laughs> alleged ambassador. Well, and it's interesting, too, because Pine was the ambassador from Tabry to Arkelvy, um, and he just got back, and they never once talked to him. That's kind of where we left off. The day progressed. Everyone kind of did their thing. They all got back together at the Kagery. They shared a meal. They got drunk, went to bed. And in the middle of the night, Nari was awakened by Kira's voice through her cell stone that she has not used in a long time, saying, Nari, help. And that was it. So here's where we are. Nari is in her room, cell stone in hand. Nari, you know that with this cell stone, you can send back and they can hear you, but they can't respond back again until the next day. Yeah, Nari is not going to bother responding back. She is going to literally immediately jump into action and wake everybody up as as loudly as possible. She's going to just start shouting. Everybody in the inn or the boys? I mean, the boys, but she's not worried about collateral when it comes to shouting a little bit. Okay, awesome. So you start shouting. Um, you know where everybody else's rooms are because you probably helped carry Roos up to his at least. Last I night. did. I definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> like a little child that fell asleep. It, it, it's reminiscent of uh, episode one where I believe you were carrying Roos for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. He's a little cute when his little beer mustache flutters when he snores. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. All right. Well, you know what? No perception checks needed. Pine, um, Roos, and Ebby, you all wake up to Nari pounding on doors and yelling for you to get up. Oh, what is it? What, what's going on? It's Kira. I. It's the cell stone. We need to go to the castle ASAP. Let's roll. Okay. And I'll grab my. I'll grab my. Uh, my stuff and start heading okay. out. Ebby will do the same. Roos will do the same. I'll throw my uh, my officer's coat, my my armor, on over my nightshirt <laughs> okay. and grab my sword. Just honestly, just grab my sword, unsheathe it. And, and I carry it because I don't have time to put my belt on. And just cane, sword, jacket, pajamas. So you have your breastplate? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you guys, uh, as you guys start moving through the kegery, um, Nara, you made a lot of noise. Um, a couple of doors open and people peer out. And one of the people who peers out of one of these doors as you guys are thundering down the hall to get down the stairs and out the door, uh, you see one of, these, uh, one of these rugged looking men with a tattoo of a tower um, kind of tattooed on his left cheek as he looks out at you and then closes the door as you run past. And then you are out the door of the Kagery and into the city. Uh, the Kagery is on the south end of the city. The castle is on the north end of the city, but it's not that big. If you guys hustle and run, you guys can probably be to the castle in about five minutes. You move through the streets. You can see that there are lamps that are lit. You can also see that occasionally... There are still some crystal tech lights um, in people's houses or um, sometimes like street lamps are crystal tech. Um, but you know that those are becoming a very hot commodity as crystals are not being uh, mined and found anymore. And the only crystal tech out there and crystals that actually have magical potential are ones that were mined before the shattering. Um, so you see some places where it looks like new light posts have been put up with um, either like oil lamps attached or, um, or torches, that kind of thing, uh, where they used to be crystal tech. 
as people are selling or hoarding crystal tech. But you hustle through the city, um, up one of these drawbridges into the upper city, and you can see the gates of the castle. Um, and I want everyone to make a perception check. Pine rolled a 21. Nari rolled a 24. Roos got a 10. Ebby uh, got a 21. Okay, so uh, lots of good rolls except for uh, Roos. Roos, I imagine you're kind of still a little bit um, foggy, you know, cobwebbed in your head from all the day drinking you did. My head's just throbbing right now. <laughs> I'm not going to give you disadvantage on your things anymore. You're not technically drunk anymore. You're just, your head's a little bit sensitive. Um, you see as you approach that the castle gates are wide open. Um, you, uh, look at the gatehouse towers and, um, uh, with your twenties, uh, uh, above 20 for Pine, Nari and Ebby, you don't see any movement in the towers. Um, there are lights, you know, uh, there are lanterns lit, uh, you can see coming through like the arrow slits, um, and you can see some light coming from the courtyard, but you don't see the guards that you would expect. As you guys run into the courtyard, you see these two guards standing um, on either side of the opening to the to the gatehouse. And you can see to the left, you see barracks. Straight ahead, you see the Grand Hall. And then a little bit off to the west, you can see the Tower Keep where Kira makes her home. Pine will say, you there. You know who I am. Come with me. The queen needs our help. So one of them kind of uh, fumbles with his spear. The other one uh, salutes you real quick and says, of, of course, we know who you are. Sure. And then they um, they say, where to? To the queen's chambers, quickly. The one on the right starts moving um, towards the grand hall. And the one on the left starts to um, kind of move to the west and then see this other one moving towards the grand hall. He starts to follow. Nari will kind of look at pine because they've been in the castle a bit together before and kind of half whisper i don't i don't think these guys are who we think they are i agree you go on ahead we'll meet up with you uh they start to move towards the grand hall um with your guys's perceptions you guys can tell they're not they start to move towards the grand hall quickly and then they kind of slow down and turn around and and look back at you guys uh, Pine will approach them again, sword drawn in his pajamas with his jacket over the top. And he'll say, who are you and what have you done with the queen? Pointing my sword directly at, at the first one. Let's roll initiative. All right. Nari rolled a strong eight. As opposed to a weak eight. There we go. <laughs> Roos came out the gate with a five. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, Ebby's no. got an 18. And Pine has a 22. Pine, as you move up to approach these two soldiers, they turn around to look at you. Um, you move kind of out into the courtyard, and as you look to your left and your right, you can see that hiding on one side of the gatehouse, out of view of the gate, you see another figure. This person looks like um, just kind of a, a normal guy. He looks like a um, just kind of a maybe a farmer or something. He's he's dressed in um, normal clothes, just kind of work clothes. He's got this cloak up and over his head, um, and he looks like he's trying to um, hide from you. And as you look over to the west, you can see along the barracks, you see somebody else hiding there um, and dressed similarly, not like in a uniform, but just wearing normal clothes. And uh, 
they all look at you. You see that the two who are who are in hiding, they have drawn weapons. Pine, it is your turn. Okay, Pine's gonna say, we don't have time for this, and just move up to the closest one, and I'm gonna take um, some non-lethal attacks against it. Um, melee attacks, but I'm gonna try not to kill this guy. Why don't you make a perception check real quick? All right, perception. Uh, I got a 21. All right, as you uh, approach this guy, you can see he's wearing the uniform of uh, a guard of Tabri. Um, it's it's a, basically the same uniform that the constables were wearing five years ago, way back when you were here uh, you know, in chapter one. Um, a little bit of difference. There's a, a, the emblem is different that they wear now. They don't wear the imperial uh, symbol anymore. Um, they wear the emblem of uh, the kingdom of Tabori. But um, as you're looking at him with your 21, you see the first thing you notice is that his uniform is it's on, but it's kind of sloppy. Like he's not tucked in where he should be tucked in. You know, the shoulders aren't quite straight. Um, and then as you look at his face, you see a slightly vacant look in his eyes. Like he he sees you, he's aware of you, but there is this kind of glassiness to his look. All right, so you were gonna make a, a couple of non-lethal attacks. Go ahead and uh, roll your attacks. Yeah, as I do, I will say, there's something wrong here, everybody, be on your guard. And my first attack is a natural one, and my second attack is a 25 to hit. 25 will hit. Uh, so that will do um, 11 slashing damage. Okay. And I will say, unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury. And I'll do another couple strikes. Just a level one. Uh, so that's another five damage. So 16 damage total. All right. Anything else that Pine would like to do? Yeah. So for my bonus action, I will go ahead and uh, toss out Kenig's Estoc and say, Field Marshal, sir, I ask your aid. All right, where do you want to toss Kang's Zestok? Right behind the guy that I am currently facing, and uh, it's a 23 to hit. That will hit, that deals some force damage. So yeah, 11 force damage. Nice. Pretty good round, that's uh, overall 25 damage that round from Pine, all non-lethal. Kenig's Zestok deals lethal damage, but he didn't die. He's still standing, is what you're saying? <laughs> he's, not, he's not dead, no. Is he bloody? Is he bloody? No, he is not. As you are uh, unleashing on this guy, there are times where he's kind of like getting his uh, his uh, uh, sword up to try to block what you're doing, but he takes a couple of blows and it doesn't really seem to phase him like you would expect. Um, and Pine, one last thing I forgot to tell you, as you as you are looking around with your 21 perception as you were uh, approaching this soldier, you see hiding behind the well in the middle of the courtyard, you see another man. And this man is not dressed like a soldier. He's wearing normal everyday clothing, kind of some sturdy boots, some breeches. Um, he's got a, uh, a cloak on with the hood pulled up. And when you see his face, he just kind of looks like a, just kind of some normal guy. He's not, you know, um, he's not clean, like he's rich or anything like that. He's just like a normal guy from town. Um, and you also see up near the Grand Hall, you see ducking down by the stairs, you see a woman hiding there as well. Okay. And she is she is similar. She She's similarly dressed. She's she's just wearing kind of um, some, if you were walking through town in any part of town, this is kind of the type of people you would just expect to just be passing by. Almost like 
you know, you would pass by and not even notice them. Pine will then say, it's an ambush. Watch out. They're tough sons of bitches. <laughs> awesome. All right, Ebby, it is your turn. You are still back by the entrance of the uh, courtyard. All right. Um, Ebby is looking at the odds here, and he is going to actually go ahead and summon Phobos and Deimos. Let's let's bring in the, the dire wolves. Oh, let's fantastic. drop one on the left of Pine and then one kind of on the right hand of Pine. You got the spell slots. Let's burn them. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> Uh, a 17 for the initiative for the dire wolves. Oh, man, that means they go next. Are you serious? <laughs> I love those good boys. Get them, boys. Good boys. Oh, my gosh. All right. 17 for their initiative. Uh, we will reorder this initiative. Let's do this again. All right. Pine's turn is over. Ebby, is that all you're doing for your turn? Um, yeah. Well, I'll do a bonus action and let's drop the unicorn totem. Kind of maybe just north of Phobos, which is the direwolf on the left. So like right in this region. OK, like so. Yeah, just kind of off to the side a little bit, kind of uh, by Pine and the, this uh, kind of uh, the man dressed like a soldier as well as Kenny Dustock. Perfect. Perfect. So I imagine this grim faced kind of, you know, all the, the grim direwolves and the grim faced, you know, zombie ish like people. And then this magical dancing unicorn just erupts out of the ground and starts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pink hooves and, uh, you know, kind of a, a rainbow mohawk and streamers coming off of uh, rippling muscles. Very good. He's Raven. <laughs> That's so Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Phobos and Demos. Perfect. Oh, I guess for my move, I'm just going to move 10 feet forward just so I'm just barely in the edge of the aura. Okay. And I think I can see the corner of another person lurking over here on the right. Actually, yes. As you move forward, Pine, you were so focused on what was going on in front of you. Ebby, as you move forward, you can see on either side of the gatehouse. Um, on the eastern side of the gatehouse, there's another kind of uh, everyday man uh, hiding, uh, tucked back behind that corner. And then off on the west side by the barracks, you see a second um, everyday man who is also kind of ducked down and hiding and Ebby as you move forward they both see you and you see them and they uh, drop their attempts to hide oh okay that is it for Ebby himself okay well Phobos and Demos let's see what they got I mean let's just go ahead and attack the same person that uh, Pine was attacking okay and because of pack tactics for these guys I think they'll have initiative on their attack rolls yeah, advantage, yeah. I say I said initiative, my bad. Um, so there's one roll, a 14 to hit, and a nine to hit. Uh, both of those, that, that will miss. Okay, so that was Phobos. So Demos will go ahead and make uh, his attacks. A nine and, and a critical, 25. The critical will hit. Very cool, okay. Um, so the damage for that is, ooh, pretty good. Uh, 13 damage, which do we add another 10 to that? Is that how I'm reading that right? Uh, it looks like, yeah, it looks like you did like, uh, Demos did 23 damage to this guy. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Nice. Um, and he'll need to do a DC 13 strength save or get knocked prone. 
Okay, uh, that is an eight and strength is not his strong suit. Uh, that is going to be uh, just a 10. So he is knocked prone. This guy, this uh, soldier, um, quasi soldier, uh, just kind of started walking around and all of a sudden got walloped left and right. And he is now on the ground. Awesome. Okay, and that is it. It is now this woman's turn who is up by the Grand Hall. Uh, she rises up and points a finger down towards you. Uh-oh. <laughs> she can't. Uh, she points a finger at you guys. And from her finger, you see this tiny little bead come shooting out of her finger. And when it hits in the middle of kind of the entrance of the courtyard, it flares up into this giant fireball. I need everyone to make dexterity saving throws as this fireball deals 8d6 fire damage. Pine rolled a natural one, so he got a nine. Phobos and Demos get to add four to their roll. Woohoo! That that may be very important for them. <laughs> Nari rolled a five, so not doing great. Oh no. <laughs> Roos got a 19. Ebby rolled a six, so <laughs> really not good for, for Ebby. How did Phobos and Demos do? <laughs> yeah, let's see. So Phobos first. We'll need to add four to whatever this says. <laughs> so a nine. Yeah, yeah. the DC is 14 to make this save. Okay. And then for Demos, a 10 or a 14. 14. Okay, 14. So, so Demos made the save. Um, so the amount of damage is 31 fire damage. Oh, jeez. So everyone who failed takes 31 fire damage. Everyone who saved uh, takes half. Nari's going to take a deep breath and use her second wind and uh, take off 14 points of damage. Or you mean Stone's Endurance? Roos doesn't have evasion anymore, so I, I took 15. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Respecking. Yeah. Respect. I'm only level six rogue now, so one more level rogue and I'll have it again. All right. Well, you guys all got wallop. That was fun. All right. And uh, that is not um, this person's only level three spell slot. <laughs> <laughs> Nari, it is your turn. All right. Well, Nari is um, going to recover from being hit with that blast. And she's going to run past Ebby and the dogs and get to this guy who's between us and the sorceress. Sort of the other guy who's dressed like a soldier, the one who hasn't been hit yet. Yes, and she's gonna she's gonna hit him for fifteen. That misses barely. Okay, uh, she, I'm gonna use my what what is it called where you can or add your superiority dice to that precision attack. So I rolled an eight on that. So make that a twenty three. That will definitely hit. Yes. And then I will come in again for nineteen to hit. That will hit. Yeah. Sweet. So 17 and 15. Holy cow, 32 damage. Dang. And I am for sure going to use my action surge and attack him again. Okay. For a 16 to hit. That'll hit. To do 7 damage. And then a 22 to hit to do 10 damage. Okay, so 7 and 10, 17 more damage. Wow. You um, wallop that guy. I am going to have him try to grovel. I love it. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wisdom saving throw. 
Oh, we natural one. Oh, okay. So he is uh, on his turn. He is going to grovel. Nice. I got him down, boys. Okay, very good. Um, Nari, I'm pretty sure that's your turn, and if it's not, I'm gonna cut you off anyway. <laughs> All right, Roos, it is your turn. All right, Roos is going to run just south of the party towards the one guy that's on the left, like all by himself. The one who's hanging out over by the barracks on the uh, on the west side? Yes. Okay. And that's about 30 feet of movement. Um, so I'm, I'm about halfway there, but instead, mm-hmm. of, instead of using my action to keep moving, I'm actually gonna do two other things. So the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm going to reach into my over large front pockets and my uh, sweater vest and grab Gigi out and say, Gigi, go drop off a potion for Mr. Pine. And I'm gonna huck her through the air. And so she kind of glides through the air and uh, drops off a little potion for Mr. Pine to take. Is she handing me the potion or is she feeding me the potion? She's feeding you the potion. So she she gives it to you. Oh, that's so cute. And heals you for not a lot, but five five hit points. I'll take it. It's like instead of Kiki's delivery service, it's Gigi's delivery service. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness, that's so cute. So I, I, I named the ability Gigi's Potion Delivery Service. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> For the second part, my action, I'm going to um, call on my other friend. I'm going to say, Squire, I need your aid on this one and kind of point to this this guy that's in front of me away from the rest of the group. Let's, let's distract that guy so we can take him down. And uh, Squire, a kind of an ethereal version of Squire, appears. He surprisingly looks almost identical to Joff, although Joff can't see the resemblance himself. Squire appears right next to this this other guy over there in the corner. Fantastic. So he's given up his like his big beret and his uh, pantaloons and stuff. And he's wearing like a sweater vest like uh, like like uh, like Roos is. Yes, at least for now. So when when he normally appears to Roos, he's in those big pantaloons and you know the all his regular getup. But uh, when he yes. appears as a helper, he's kind of like a mirror image of what Roos looks like. Okay, so we Perfect. don't look over and see Prince Valium. <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, this would be your first time actually seeing uh, seeing Squire, um, and you guys don't know any better that this is what he looks like. What a goofy looking guy. (laughs) He's so goofy looking. I'm so glad I don't look like that. Awesome. All right. Well, then that brings us now to the bottom of the initiative, which is these uh, these rough looking men, these kind of everyday, you know, uh, uh, men. Um, We'll start with the one here that got. (laughs) Every time you say everyday man, I think you're like a commercial for Wrangler's jeans or something. (laughs) For the everyday man. (laughs) For the everyday man, yes. Oh, I think of Tommy Boy. We make car parts for the American working man. That's who we are, and that's who we care about. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Okay, so we'll start over here with the one that's farthest to the west, the one who has Squire standing right next to him. Is there any rule for about if he can figure out if Squire is real or not, or does he just assume that there's a bad guy here that he needs to attack? It creates an illusion of yourself that lasts for a minute. It appears within 30 feet of you as a bonus action. You can move it, but it has to remain within 120 feet of me. That's basically all it says. Okay. So acts just as an illusion, I would assume. So um, this this man that's by the barracks, he stands up and pulls out a scimitar, and he is going to swing at Squire with a, a, a 13. 
Would that normally hit uh, Roos? A 13? No, a 13 wouldn't normally hit. Okay, so then we'll say that um, Squire manages to kind of dodge aside, and it looks like this uh, this man missed Roos, so he's going to attack at him again. Uh, and for a 12, that was even worse. Okay, so <laughs> Squire has managed to kind of uh, tie up this this one man over uh, over on the west side. This one everyday man? This one everyday man. <laughs> <laughs> the one who is surrounded by... Um, uh, by Pine and uh, Phobos and Demos, uh, who got knocked down. He is going to stand up. He is uh, looking pretty rough, but as he stands up, Pine, you can't help but notice he doesn't look like he really cares. And uh, he is going to attack at you, Pine, um, twice. The first one is going to be a 22. Does that hit? That hits. Okay, that is going to be... going to be kind of brutal. So, uh, it is... Eight slashing damage plus nine poison damage. Oh, wow. And the second attack is going to be a 15. Does that hit you? No. All right. We now have um, two that have not engaged. Actually, we have the one that that Nari was attacking, and that one uh, gets down on his knees and bows his head, waiting for the killing blow. Um, we have the one that has been hiding on the east side uh, behind the gatehouse comes rushing in to attack at Ebby. And Ebby, you are going to be attacked twice. Let's see, does an 11 hit you or a 16? Neither of those will hit. Neither of those hit. Half plate, right? Half plate. <laughs> I'm no longer using a shield. I mean, I, so <laughs> I had a shield equipped the entire time during disc one which helped my armor, but I realized I never role-played that I was using the shield, so we have removed that. So Ebby is a little <laughs> squishier than he was previously. But he's still got the half-plate. Still he's got, the still half got plate. that half-plate. Does he still have the, the skeleton painted on him from uh, Gadiver's March? <laughs> it's faint, but it's there, yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, so two attacks at Ebby, and they both miss. And then we have this one back here by the well. He pulls out a bow, and he's got three targets to choose from. So he is actually going to fire at Nari. Nari, you've got two arrows coming streaking at you. Does, oh my gosh, does a six or an 11 hit you? Nah, dog. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like that's their turn. Um, That was, okay, here we go. (laughs) Back up to the top of the initiative. Yeah, so forgot to do this in the first round of, of combat, Paul, but I figure now might be a good time to roll initiative and get Amarok also in the fight. Okay, awesome. So his initiative, oh wow, he rolled a 20 for his initiative. Let's reorganize this again. Okay, and <laughs> here we go, back up to the top. Um, round two, Pine, you have um, a dude in front of you who is looking very hurt, but you are surrounded by Phobos and Demos. They got your back. Um, and there's a dancing unicorn right beside you. Uh, it is your turn. Okay, I am pretty hurt though. I'm down to, to about 25 hit points out of 68. So I uh, got to get this guy finished off quickly. I think just based on the way you've described him, it sounds like he's under some kind of an enchantment. So I'll say, I'll yell out to everybody. I'm not sure these people are aware of their actions. Be careful with them. They may be innocents in this. And then I'll take two attacks. And if I were to kill him, it would be non-lethal. The first one's only a 14. That will miss. Second one is a dirty 20. Okay, yeah. Roll some damage. Uh, That's 14 damage. 
as you wallop him with your sword and you're about to do two more attacks, um, he crumples to the ground. His eyes, even though they're glassy and kind of glazed over already, uh, they get even more glassy and he drops like a sack of potatoes. Awesome. So then um, for my bonus action, I'll go ahead and move Ken Zestok over to the one who's waiting for a killing blow. Okay. And I'll take uh, that one attack there with advantage. So that's a 26 to hit. That will, that will definitely hit. For 12 force damage. And this guy, you cannot help but kill. Oh, dang it. Okay. Then with my movement, I'm going to go ahead and I think I can actually make it up to the sorceress. So I'm actually just going to go get right up next to her. So that way, if she tries to do anything that would provoke an attack of opportunity, I can um, strike at her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, she's definitely in your threat range. And you still have one more attack. Uh, no, I missed the first one. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Pine, great round. Um, you took out two dudes. Fantastic. All by myself. No help at all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bubbles and Demos, nah. All right, Amarok's turn. Remind me who Amarok even is. <laughs> Amarok is like this kind of winged wolf thing that's about the size of a house cat. Oh, yeah, and yeah, okay. He was chilling on Ebby's shoulder, and Ebby would talk to him as though he were having a full-on conversation, but you guys never really could hear what was being said. Ebby go, is going to yell out and say, Amarok, go after that one. And darting through the air off of his shoulder, Amarok is going to take off and move to the ruffian that's over by the well. The one that was shooting the arrows? Yep. And he's going to go ahead and make a melee attack against him. Kind of a, a bite attack. A 19 to hit. Nice, that hits. And it'll be for five damage, and then he needs to make a DC 11 con save or he'll get poisoned. Uh, he did a 15 plus something. He saved. Okay, so he'll take half of whatever the poison roll, which is not much, so he'll take three more poison damage. And now, Ebby, it's your turn. For myself, I'm, I'm gonna try something, and this could be a total waste of action but if it works maybe it could be something this ruffian that's right in front of me that's engaged me i'm gonna cast dispel magic on him and see if we can end whatever is happening there it is a so dispel magic dispels any level three enchantment correct automatically if for each spell of fourth level or higher on the target, um, make an ability check using your spell casting ability. The DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. On a successful check, the spell ends. So what level are you casting it at? So I'm I'm just casting it with my third level spell slot. Yes, and it's with my spell casting modifier, right? Oh, terrible. An eight. This, uh, this ruffian does not look phased. Well, how about that? So, wait, so they're ruffians now? They're not everyday man? <laughs> this everyday ruffian, this everyday gringy, rugged dude. In a, in a comfortable pair of Wranglers. Uh, yes, wearing a comfortable pair of Wranglers. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your action, right? That was my action. Um, for my bonus action, I'm going to use a new ability that I got when I became basically enthralled to Lord Moshe, and I call the ability Verdant Light. And basically I have a pool of 
D6s that I can use as a bonus action to heal a creature within 60 feet of me. Oh, cool. And so I think I'm going to use it to heal Pine for one of these 1D6s. <laughs> for one hit point. <laughs> You're so welcome, Pine. Everything's better now. But everybody gets something from the unicorn totem too, right? I don't think so because the unicorn totem specifically is when I cast a spell that restores health. And this is not a spell. This is an ability. This is an ability. Yeah. Gotcha. Maybe just came up and smacked a bandaid on there for you. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I got you, man. Careful with band-aids. They try to take over the world. (laughs) We still need to make that a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is that all of Ebby's turn? Because next it's Phobos and Demos. Yeah, that's all of Ebby's turn. So, yeah, I guess we'll go to Phobos and Demos now. Jeez, Jordan, let somebody else have Ah, a turn. I'm I'm sorry. This is getting ridiculous (laughs) with all of these things. We'll have uh, Phobos on the left to go first, and we'll move over towards the ruffian that Squire was engaging with. Okay. And then Demos is going to kind of move over here and attack the one, the ruffian that's right in front of, of Ebby. So let's start with... Uh, Phobos. Okay. Bite attack. I don't know if... Does Squire count as giving pack tactics? Or does Squire allow for sneak attacks from Roos? Squire gives me advantage. I don't know if he gives other people advantage. It specifically says that um, that I get advantage. I think... I don't know if I consider it an ally. Yeah, I'd probably say not then. Okay, so Phobos rolled a 12 for for his attack. Okay, Phobos misses. Yeah, so Phobos will miss, and now Demos on the other side, which I think this one will count as having pack tactics. So Oh, for sure. First roll was a 15, second roll is a 11. Those both miss. Neither one of those uh, can connect. They got AC 16. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, that's it for, for the Dire Wolves. Mr. Pine, you see this woman standing here in front of you and um she does she have the same vacant look yes she does glassy eyes sort of a slack jaw is the wrong word just kind of not as you would expect people in this you've fought a lot of people in your day you expect like a, a set to your jaw a clenched teeth that kind of thing they don't have that no she's just standing there like napoleon dynamite no, no, no. It's like it's not the not a total slack jaw like a zombie with their mouth hanging open, but not gritted teeth like you would expect in the middle of combat. Right, yeah. Almost like calm. There's almost like this calm. Um, but it does not seem normal. Um, Pine, as you are standing there, you see this woman do something with her hand and disappear from sight. Sweet. All right. Um, that brings us now to Nari. Oh, man. Well, Nari was going to go after that person, but now she feels a bit conflicted. So she's going to run towards the tower. She'll stop next to Amarok and attack the uh, ruffian who he is fighting as well. Oof. Um, so a nine to hit. That will miss. Okay. And then a 16. That will barely hit. Yes. All right, so 15 damage, and then I will um, try to disarm him. Okay. So he needs to make a strength saving throw of 15. Be a, I think that's only a 13. 
Nope. Never mind. That is a. That's actually a uh, a fifteen. Barely. But you get to deal some extra damage when you do that precision dice, right? Right. So that's an extra seven. So twenty-two total. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you dealt some extra damage, but he does manage to hold on to his bow. Very good. Anything else that Nari's gonna do? Uh, no. I think that's it for now. Okay. All right, Roos. It is your turn. Okay, so Roos is going to close the gap to the left and engage the guy that's fighting Demon... <laughs> Phobos. Yeah, the guy who's by the barracks, the guy who's got Squire right next to him and Phobos. Yeah, perfect. Yes. The guy who's to the left, to the left. That's right, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. As as Roos attacks, the um, image of himself that's an exact copy that is Squire attacks at the exact same time in a way to distract or confuse the opponent. And so rolled a 24 to hit on that one. That does hit. Uh, do you want to tell us anything about what you're using to hit him with? Roos is carrying two uh, short swords and they are a so dark black, that, it, but it's got a red cast to it. Um, the blades look very similar to the swords that he took from Lord Laramie. But they are smaller. They're much smaller than the ones that he took at that time. Suspicious. <laughs> Super sus. All right. How much damage did you do with your sneak attack against this guy? Ten piercing, one necrotic, and eleven sneak attack for twenty-two on that first strike. Nice. And then the he's gonna come at him with the second short sword. And this one was a crit. Oh my Ooh. gosh. Too bad that couldn't have been nice. your sneak attack. I know, right? Ugh. Yeah, another 22 damage on the offhand. Oh, man. That's huge. Holy cow. <laughs> that was beautiful. I should have picked up some of Lord Laramie's swords. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce kind of has a pained expression. Um, he is not hitting with the flats of the blades. And is that Bruce's whole turn? Yeah, that is his whole turn. Awesome. All right. Uh, that brings us now to the everyday men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll start over here at the one that uh, Roos just walloped. Um, and uh, definitely the most damage done to him was by Roos. So he is going to actually attack at Roos two times. A 7 or an 18. Does the 18 hit? Yes, an 18 does hit. Okay. And that is going to deal, it looks like, 7 slashing damage plus 5 poison damage. Okay, so as he strikes, you see um, Squire, this image of me, like kind of step in and and soften the blow a little bit as well. Nari, you got uh, this other guy up here who has the bow who was shooting at you guys. He drops the bow and draws a sword, and he's going to take two swipes at you. A natural one is going to miss, but a 20 will hit you. It will. All right, so you are going to take um, six slashing damage, and uh, looks like 13 poison damage. That's 19 damage in one hit. Okay. And Ebby and Demos. You guys have both kind of, you're both a threat. Demos has taken, uh, done, done more damage. So he's actually gonna go after Demos. Demos gets attacked twice. There is a, oh, a crit. And then there is a, um, yeah, Demos got hit twice and one of them was a crit. Uh, let's see. The first one is going to... <laughs> that's not actually not too bad. Um, that is 18 plus 3. That's a total of 21 damage. Oh, man. Is uh, is Demos still standing? He is barely up. 
That poor pup. Well, the second one is going to deal a total of 15 damage. That is it. Eight, pier- eight slashing and then the rest is poison. Yeah, Demos disappears in a puff of puppy fur. <laughs> Let's see. So that was the everyday man's turn. Let's go back up to the top of the round with Pine. Pine, you were you were confronting that woman um, who had cast the fireball and then she disappeared from view. You are now standing up by the Grand Hall kind of all by yourself. Nari is a little bit further south into the uh, to the west. And then um, Ebby is way down to the south and Roos is way down to the southwest. Okay, so for my bonus action, first things first, I'm going to send Kenig's S-Talk down to help Ebby. Okay. I'll use my bonus action for Kenig's S-Talk and see if it hits. It's a 17 to hit. That will hit for nine force damage. Nine force damage. That is the first damage this guy has taken. Okay. Um, And then for my action, I'm going to use my trained senses. I know they didn't seem like they were undead, but um, I'm going to look, see if I can detect any Celestials, Fiends, or Undead within 60 feet of me. All right. Celestials, Fiends, or Undead. You have six seconds that that works, correct? Yes. All right. You do not detect anything within 60 feet of you. Okay. Um, Then for my movement, because that was my whole action, I'm going to come join uh, Nari and Amarok on this one uh, Wranglers wearing everyday person. (laughs) (laughs) The one up by the well, kind of in the middle of the courtyard. He looks so comfortable, you know? (laughs) I know, I know. It's got a U-shaped crotch as opposed to the V-shaped crotch. I remember that from one of the commercials. Am I the only one? (laughs) It's functional and yet durable. That's wonderful. All right, well, Amarok's turn. Amarok uh, is confronting this very same Wranglers wearing everyday man. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Amarok... I'm going to say that Nari and Pine can now hear Amarok say, die, mortal, and uh, goes ahead and has a bite for a crit. Oh, Oh my gosh. That's rad. (laughs) Oh, my, I like him. Which would be six damage. Let's see. I guess nine. Nine damage. Nice, Amarok. Yeah, and then the DC 11 constitution save. Uh, Rolled a natural 19. Okay, so he'll take half of this which again is super low so four damage from poison well actually he takes eight da- eight poison damage which would have been doubled because it was a crit but since he saved it's only eight damage oh okay then so you see he still takes that damage yeah i like that i like you paul just wanted to say uh, well i like you too jordan i like a lot Jeez, get a room <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ebby's turn now. All right, this is the this is the whole Jordan section. So, Ebby, it is your turn. All right, we'll try to make this quick. Uh, Ebby's going to hold up his right hand, and at the wrist, his hand kind of drops down, revealing the barrel, basically, of a gun. <laughs> Ebby says, check out this new trick, Mana Cannon. And he's going to go ahead and blast out with his new cantrip, Mana Cannon, twice. That's awesome. That's That's amazing. (laughs) So a a 22 to hit. That hits. For five damage for the first one. Okay. And then the second one will be an 11 to hit. So that one will miss. So nothing there. And then for his bonus action on let's do. Well, let's do pine. We'll go ahead and cast a second level Erdos's word on pine. 
How far is Erdos's word goes? Is that was 60 feet? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so healing pine for 10, and then all of us get an extra five. Everybody except for Roos. Except for Roos and poor Phobos. I, I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see each other for five years, and suddenly I'm not part of the unicorn totem. Yeah, no, you're dead to me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like only yesterday you guys were embracing over the abyss. <laughs> Oh, if only that story were canon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to Phobos's turn. All right, Phobos will just go ahead and have an attack. And I think this time there will be some pack tactics. So first roll is a 22. Let's see if we can get a crit. Uh, 19, so I guess the 22 to hit. And the damage will be 13 damage. Okay. And then he'll need to do the DC. Oh, he might be out. So yeah. Uh, Fubbles leaps in and rips this guy's throat out. Fantastic. I said they may be, they may be victims in all this too. We don't have time for that old man. Fubbles looks at you, Pine, and goes, row, row. <laughs> Zoinks. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So Fubbles has a move. Uh, yeah, let's actually have him make his way back towards the one that's attacking me. Okay. So that way he can be ready to fight this next one. Um, and that brings us now to um, a certain someone who may have disappeared. She's lost forever in the astral plane. What? <laughs> uh, Roos and Nari and Pine. I want you each to make perception checks with disadvantage, please. Okay. Okay. I got a seven. Nari got a 21. With disadvantage. Uh, that only rolled it once. Well, you, you failed anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so uh, Pine, you have no clue where this woman went. Um, Roos, you probably didn't even know to be looking for her. Uh, Nari, as you are uh, kind of fighting this guy here by the well, you hear a click and look up at the tall tower, the tall the, the tower keep, um, where you know um, Kira, uh, where she keeps her residence. And you see um, the door swing shut. I'll kind of point that out and be like, "Look, she's going up to the to the keep." All right, and that is your turn, Nari. Oh man, okay. So I think Nari will, yeah, take a big whack at this dude in front of her. Twenty-three to hit for seven damage, and then she is again going to try to disarm him. Okay. So that'll do an extra five damage, and then he needs to make a strength saving throw. All right, he's got a plus two to his strength, and he did a 12. Does that disarm him? Uh, yeah, nope, that should disarm him. Okay, yeah, his sword goes flying away out of his hands. And then I'm going to come back in with my second attack for 25 to hit for 11 damage. All right, and as he kind of it swings out of his hand, you can't help but notice that he does not look concerned as he looks over at the sword that's flying out of his hands and he turns back towards you just in time to get an axe to the face as he crumples to the ground knocked out or dead uh, i'd prefer to knock him out but i'm not gonna hold back too much he falls down um unconscious at least you hope he's unconscious hard hit to the head and then falling on cobblestones face first yeah <laughs> all right awesome uh very good did you want to move or anything Oh, yeah, if he fell down, I'm going to leap over his body and run, I guess, to the tower door. It looks like I can probably get to. 
Yeah, you can get to the bottom of the stairs. So the tower door, um, like um, Medieval Keeps, uh, you actually enter on the second floor. There's a staircase that goes up, um, and then the uh, like a wooden staircase. And at the on the second floor, there's a door that goes in. It looks like a heavy, uh, iron-bound, very solid door. Um, but there's no entry into the tower keep on the first floor. Cool, Nari, that is your turn. And that brings us now to Roos. Roos kind of, his, his eyes kind of glaze over, um, frustrated that the, the person in front of him was killed. Um, and he turns around and kind of assesses where everyone is at. Is this, I, I just want to double check real quick. This guy is on the ground, right? Uh, yeah, everybody is unconscious or dead except for the guy back by the gatehouse that Ebby is fighting. Ebby and um, and Demos or Phobos are um, are fighting this one guy over by the uh, on the eastern edge of the gatehouse. Uh, Roos will just kind of he will move move. So I will bonus action dash to get the rest of the way, and then I will take one strike at this guy. Okay, for twenty five to hit. That will hit. Uh, 10 piercing and 4 necrotic damage for 14 damage. Oh, wait, and since he's engaged with other people, uh, 9 sneak attacks, so a total of 23. That's a huge hit. This guy is still standing, um, but you hit him uh, really good. Okay. Awesome. All right, that's my turn. Well, it's now his turn. You showed up and you walloped him, so he actually is going to attack right back at you. Two swings at you, there is an eight, and then there's a 17. They both hit, or pardon me, the uh, 17 hits. Um, you take uh, 23 damage, nine Whoa. slashing, and Oof. then um, the rest is all poison. Ouch, okay. And that brings us now up to the top of the round with Pine. Pine, you are standing next to this unconscious um, everyday man. Uh, you see Nari rushing over towards the steps leading into the tower keep. Okay, uh, Pine will yell out, I'm heading in with Nari! And I'll use my bonus action for Kenny Zestock, who's still over there by uh, the everyday man. Okay. Uh, it's only uh, nine to hit. Okay, that misses. But then Pine is going to go ahead and just use his action and his uh, movement to go ahead and move like 60 feet. Yeah, as you approach these stairs, you see that the um, you have to go up to a landing and then turn to go up. It's like a kind of a, there's a turn in the middle of the stairs. It's all for defense to kind of keep you closer to the tower so they can shoot you with bows and arrows, but it still takes you longer to get up to the second floor. Anyway, you managed to get up, it looks like, um, partway up the stairs, almost to the door. Okay. And that's my turn. Uh, Amarok's turn. I think I'll just have Amarok maybe come down. Let me see if Amarok can make it. Yeah, to the far side of the ruffian that I'm dealing with. Okay. And we'll go ahead and make an attack on that guy. Uh, an 11 to hit, so nothing. And Ebby's turn. All right. Ebby's uh, going to try and basically do the same thing he did last time. So we'll we'll keep blasting this guy in the face with the mana cannon. So for, first one was a nat one for a six to hit. So goes wide, almost hits Phobos in the face. <laughs> the next one, also a nat one for a six to hit. So now the next one almost hits Amarok in the face. <laughs> that's like a it's like a one in 400 chance of you doing that. You should go play a Powerball right now. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I imagine it's like the Mega Man blast cannon. Oh, yes. But you're shooting your dogs. <laughs> 
when you when you power up the buster, you know, and then like and then you miss, and it's like I wasted like five seconds powering that up, and then I missed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a pep talk and be like, come on, Ebby, you can do this, and cast Erdos's word um, as my bonus action on myself. Okay. Uh, to heal myself for six, and then everybody in the aura, which I guess is just me and and Roos now, get the extra five. Okay. And um, don't forget that uh, Phobos does too. Oh, Phobos gets that too. Oh, happy day. Perfect. All right. That brings us now to Phobos. All right. And Phobos. Phobos will go ahead and attack. First roll is a nine to hit. And then his second roll is a 12 to hit. And that (laughs) will miss. None of us are landing anything. Good grief. Oh, golly. All right. All right. And then that's Phobos' turn. Um, And we've got Nari, you are up. Well, I kind of feel bad for leaving Ebby by himself now, but uh, not even by himself with his three familiars. (laughs) (laughs) Just give us a minute. Hey, I'm not one of his familiars. Yeah, and the the sword is mine. (laughs) (laughs) No, Nari is going to bust up those stairs and... um, I mean, try to bust down the door if she can to get into that tower. Yeah. Nari, you, you you push the door open and it opens right up and you are now in the tall tower, uh, the tower keep, and you are out of this combat. Okay. Roos, I will tell you, Nari, what you see in a second. Roos, you are up. All right. Roos is going to, he's going to strike out with his short sword for a 26 to hit. That hits. Dealing 11 piercing, 1 necrotic, and 7 sneak attack for 19 damage. Oh, man. Huge hit. This guy is barely hanging on. Okay. And then he's going to follow up with his second strike. Ugh. And uh, this one was only an 11 to hit. That will miss. Dang it. And that will be um, Roos' turn. Your squire's kind of standing over there still where you left him, kind of waving, like, kind of shrugging, like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm just standing here. <laughs> yeah, it takes a bonus action to move him, so I, I just left him there. <laughs> I know, I know. He's just, like, he's stuck to the play, like, waiting for you to tell him to do something. <laughs> and that brings us back to this everyday man. He has one, two, three, four targets to choose from. All of them have hit him or have come close. Uh, so he is going to go for Roos. Bruce, two attacks coming your way. Uh, we have got a 13 or a 15. Oh, neither of those hit. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, this guy looks like he is hurting real bad. Pine, we are back up to the top. It is your turn. Okay, so I'm still in combat because I have not gone to the tower yet, and I can still see Ken talk over there. It's going to take one more strike at the um, Wranglers wearing Everyday Man. It's a 17 to hit. That will hit for six force damage. And this guy falls down dead. And you guys have cleared all of the bad guys in this area. Cue victory music. (laughs) Pine will yell out. Russo Rebbe, can you please grab my soul for me? Thank you very much. And I'm going to rush into the uh, <laughs> rush into the uh, tower with Nari. And while I go, I will be um, touching myself. Ooh. Hey, don't we all? You know, <laughs> for twenty hit points. And quite the time to do it, but <laughs> so he. I call those my pep talks, but you know, <laughs> that, that is exactly what I'm doing, though. <laughs> 
So here is what is going to happen. Um, Roos, um, is there something you need to do? Yes. Now, do I have to make another save or is it? You make another save because you had the chance to kind of sate your your thirst. I rolled a 25 on my wisdom save. Uh, so describe what happens then for for Roos. So his visage was was very frustrated and angry until just like this moment. And he breathes deep and you see his his whole facial expression return to normal and he sheathes his swords. All right. Here is what is going to happen here out in the courtyard. I imagine we have Ebby and Roos rushing towards the tower keep. Roos can move further than Ebby. So we are going to move on to the next map. Nari, since she entered last round, Nari will have one whole round in her here by herself. The next round, Pine will show up. The next round, Roos will show up. And then the last round, sorry, Ebby, you will show up. Unless you want to do something more drastic, like, I don't know, turn into an eagle or something and fly over there. Or right on Phobos. Or right on Phobos. <laughs> I don't know that Phobos would fit, right? This is a big door. Um, so Phobos could go in at least through this door. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I will ride on Phobos <laughs> if that's cool. <laughs> so then we'll say Phobos and Ebby will show up the same round that Roos does. Let us jump and we're going to jump over inside of Tabri's tower keep as you enter into the tower keep this is a place you guys have all been multiple times this is not a large keep in fact i think it's only about like 50 feet by 50 feet right um each it's only like a 50 foot um square tower as you enter into this keep you are in this corridor that's 10 feet wide, about 15 feet long, and that opens up into this hall. And in this hall, there is this slightly raised dais. There are these two thrones that sit there. This is not where Kira would normally take an audience, but it is, um, it's kind of a, a secondary one for uh, more private uh, meetings, that kind of thing. Um, to the left and to the right, there are also doorways that you know lead around the outside of the tower. Um, and you guys would all know that in the upper, uh, kind of in the northwest corner, there is a staircase that goes up to the third floor. And in the north uh, east corner, there is a staircase that goes down to kind of a storage area. And there's also um, a smaller dungeon um, kind of prison that is here in the keep as well. Um, on the third floor, there's uh, bedrooms. There is um, Kira's study. There's also the servants' rooms. And there's a kitchen with some uh, food preparation areas up there. So as you come into this corridor, Nari, you're the first one that comes busting in. This round is all you. You can see at the back of, so the corridor goes up a little bit and in, the, and in the, this hall behind the thrones, there is a, there's a door and you can see another one of these just kind of normal looking dudes uh, wearing a cloak um, and he is standing at the door. You see him, it looks like he is talking to somebody and the door behind him closes as he turns around and notices you, Nari. Nari, since your initiative is higher, I'm going to let you go first before this everyday man goes. Okay, and do I know um, what's behind that door? 
Yeah, you know that that door is uh, like a back hallway, uh, and that hallway uh, connects the staircase that goes up and the staircase that goes down. Basically, it's like this room is kind of in the middle of this square hallway that goes all the way around the outside of the of the tower. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So I will run up to the everyday man and I will just start swinging um, 19 to hit for 15 damage. That will hit and 15 damage. Okay. And then I'm going to go in again, 20 to hit for 17 damage. Holy cow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, And then I will just go ahead and try to disarm him while we're here. Okay, cool. So he's got to make a strength save, right? Yeah, 15. He gets a plus two to this. He rolled a 20. Okay. And then I rolled a one for his extra damage, so. Well, you have bloodied this guy um, quite quickly. He is going to strike back at you now, Nari. So there are two attacks coming your way. Um, A nine or a 19. The 19 will hit. Okay. You are going to take eight slashing damage and 11 poison damage. Okay. And that's going to bring us now back up to the top of the round as Pine comes bursting in. And Pine, you see uh, this thing that I've already described. Um, Nari is attacking another one of these uh, everyday men and his wranglers uh, up near the north end of the hall. Okay. Well, Pine is going to go ahead and rush in and assist uh, Nari. So I'm going to go up and uh, take a couple strikes against this guy. Okay. First is... uh, uh, I'm fighting. I'm fighting using that ability that adds 10 to my attack roll. So I got a nine. The second one is a 26 to hit. Okay, yeah. Deals for 11 damage. Unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury, and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Two more strikes for five more damage. All right, awesome. Yeah, this guy's taking quite a beating. Okay, Um, Nari, it's your turn. All right, I'm coming in to clobber him again. 13 to hit. That misses. Oh my gosh. And then a nine to hit. That will miss. I'm going to, well, I am going to use my bonus action, sorry, just to heal myself a little bit since I don't have anything else to do. Oh yeah, perfect. So I'll just gain back 15 Oh HP. nice, that's a big hit. That's not bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, he's going to split his attacks, one at Pine and one at Nari. Pine, does a 20 hit you? Yeah, it does. Okay, that is going to be four slashing damage plus nine poison damage. Okay, I can handle that. And then uh, Nari, does a 24 hit you? It does. It does, Paul. That is going to be a total of 21 damage. Uh, The first six of that is slashing. I'm so happy I healed myself. (laughs) Holy crap. These everyday men are hitting way harder than by every uh, account they should. Okay, we are back up to the top. Pine, it is your turn. Ebby and Roost will or, or, we will both show up this turn, uh, but they have not shown up yet because it's not their turn yet. So Pine, go ahead. Pine's gonna head over to Nari and, uh, and say, we're still in this, we have to get to her. And I'm gonna give you another, uh, the last 20 of my commander's morale. Oh, thanks Pine. Always. Do you want to be with her <laughs> and, and make believe with her? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, that was that was that was gold. <laughs> yeah, that's my turn. All right, Amarok comes busting through the door. Uh, cool. Uh, Amarok's just going to try to swoop in and get as close as possible to this guy, and we'll have a quick attack. Uh, Fourteen to hit. 
Uh, that will miss. All right. And that brings us now to Ebby and uh, Phobos come busting in to the room. <laughs> Good grief. I'm going to say that it looks like it's a little too tight for Phobos to really get deep into there. So maybe Phobos will kind of veer off to the left and kind of make way. But Ebby will try to have a couple shots with the mana cannon. Okay. So first one is a, I guess, a 16 to hit. That will hit. Yay. Four. Three force damage. Three force damage. Okay. And the next one is a seven to hit. <laughs> that will miss. All right. And then my bonus action, I'll do another second level uh, Urdas's word. Okay. Let's do it on Nari. Did you move the unicorn with you when you came? You know, I, I didn't. And so I think it's it's okay that it got left out in the back in the yard. I think at the end of the fight, after we win, the unicorn is going to come clomping and holding Kenig Zestok. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So Nari got healed for 11. Nice. Damn, thanks, y'all. All right. And then uh, Phobos's turn. I think, I mean, I don't know that Phobos can get up in there. Phobos can leap over the thrones. It looks like Phobos can can move around in this room just because it's got the wider hallway. Um, the rest of the hallways in this uh, in this tower are just five feet wide. So after this kind of hall, Phobos is going to be um, going to be stuck. Well, well, we'll try and have an attack here. First first roll was a twelve. The advantage roll is a twenty four. That will hit um, for ten damage. Nice. All right, this guy is fighting for his life with a glazed look and really no concern um, for his life. I mean, he's fighting for his life um, very well, but he doesn't have like that fear in his eyes you would expect. And Phobos leaps in and rips off his arm as he falls to the ground and dies from massive blood loss. As Roos comes busting in to the tower keep, we are going to end initiative. Bruce has Kenig Zestock slung over his shoulder as he enters the room. All right. Oh, nice of you to join us. <laughs> Somebody left their weapons in the courtyard. I had to go get them. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's mine. I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. Do you, do you remember that, that Kenig Zestock? I used to I used to throw it out there back when we were adventuring together, and it, I like to collect it. <laughs> Put it around my back. Do we think? Do we think Kira will be upstairs? That's where she sleeps, right? Yes. Nari blushes a little bit. <laughs> a lot more places for her to be upstairs than downstairs, right? I think we should hurry. Yep. Let's go. We should tell Phobos to just uh, stand guard here at the, the exit. Don't let anybody leave. That's a great idea. Yeah. Abby will, Abby will say that. You guys have decided to head upstairs. You uh, open the door behind this uh, this throne um, and you see out in the hallway to the right there is a staircase that spirals down to the first floor and to the left there's a staircase that spirals up to the third floor you've decided to go up the staircase yes okay um what's the marching order i think nari's probably charging up front and pine's directly behind nari but i think pine would say ebby do you think your um your cat could go check downstairs. Just, we don't think that she's down there, but just to make sure. What foolish mortal dare insult the majesty of Amarok, the most? No, Ebby interrupts him 
and says, no, yeah, Amarok could be happy to do that. <laughs> Did we hear it or was he just like having a conversation with his cat? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, you guys could hear it. OK, you're going to you're going to start being able to hear him more. Wait, it does talk. Of course he could talk. What silly <laughs> nonsense. You think you think I was talking to myself this whole time? <laughs> well, we never heard Neem's voice. I just assumed that this was kind of the same sort of thing. Ah, yes. Well, well, I guess it could be forgiven then, couldn't it? Meanwhile, Pine <laughs> and Nari are already up the stairs. <laughs> so, I was going to say, there's no time for your cute pets. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to send Amarok downstairs. Yes. Um, so what Amarok does that will... mean for Ebby? In terms of kind of their their connection, um, I can sense what they sense with if they're within one mile of me. Oh wow! As a familiar, and Amarok's going to trigger his invisibility as well, so that way he just won't trigger any. You know, he won't be seen or causing a, a ruckus. Um, Amarok heads down the stairs. You guys head up the stairs. Um, so what you guys get when you guys get up here to the third floor, um, you know that. Uh, you're kind of in this northwest corner. There is a door uh, kind of straight ahead that leads into Kira's study. And then on the other side of inside the study is also the door that leads into her bedroom. So you have to go through the study to get to her bedroom. Um, and you guys would know then that on the south, the south, the, again, there's a hall that goes all the way around this floor as well with arrow slits dotting the walls. But uh, on the south uh, side of this floor, is where you would access the kitchens. And then the kitchen also has like a pantry. And then on the Western uh, hall, there is uh, the servants quarters. And then in the Northeast corner of this room, of this uh, uh, floor, there's also a ladder that leads to the roof of the tower keep. I, I think I would be running straight towards that study. Same with Pioneer. Yeah, you, um, you bust in to the study. So I open the door. You guys can go ahead and move on in. As you enter the study, you see a desk covered in papers and uh, uh, quills and that kind of thing. And um, this is much as you remember it, except for things seem a little bit more scattered uh, quickly. Are you guys going to investigate? If you guys look, there is a, a door that is um, on the eastern wall that leads into the bedroom. Uh, but if you guys want to investigate, you can take a little bit more time or you can make a quick perception check if you would like to do that. I think Nari would make a perception check and then keep moving. Yeah, same thing with Abby. Yeah. So what'd you guys all get for your perception? I rolled a 26. Oh, nice. That beats Pine's 17. And it certainly beats Abby's 7. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roos got a 15. Okay. Um, we'll say Nari and um, uh, Roos and Pine all notice this, but definitely Nari with your 26. And it's also a little bit more connected to you. You notice that on the floor behind the desk um you see a small red sending stone a cell stone as you call it nari and you know that this is the stone that she would have used to contact you uh, a stone that she probably hasn't used for a for a long time um and here it is on the ground uh, nari will pick it up and put it in her pocket and then keep moving to the back room all right um, as you um, open the door uh, into the bedroom, 
go ahead and you can see um, that there is this grand bed, this big canopied bed. There is like a, a dresser on one side. There's a chair for dressing. There is a mirror. And you see um, going through the dresser, you see another kind of everyday man. He is wearing uh, a cloak. He's got just normal clothes on. He's got a sword at his waist. And he um, he looks up as the door opens and um, I know you guys just made perception checks. Um, this time I want you guys to make um, perception or insight as you come busting into the room. Nari rolled in that one for nine. <laughs> Pine got another 17. Okay. Roos got a 26. Yeah, I was going to say, Ebby got a 15 for insight. Okay, so for insight. Um, so uh, insights for Roos and for Ebby were successes and then Pine's perception. Pine, you look at... Did you all get a 15, 17, and 26 again? Did that happen last time? Yeah. Well, I mean, I rolled a 26 and some, but. <laughs> Ebony oh and Jop switched places, but yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's awesome. Uh, we'll say, Pine, uh, you look in and uh, your perception of this guy um, is that he has, um, his face is sweaty um, and his eyes are wide. Roos and Ebby, with your insights, you can't you you seem to see that this guy seems more normal than the others that you have seen in the castle at this point um almost like he's not under the same effects as everybody else and as you come busting into the room he drops a handful of clothing and he throws his hands up in the air and he says don't kill me don't kill me and that's where we're gonna stop for tonight oh man where is she? Where is she? <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to ask. <laughs> that was awesome. my that was my Christian Bale Batman impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, this guys. episode hey, will come out fun. right around when the new Batman's supposed to come out. Ooh, cool. Oh, uh, the uh, the uh, Edward, the Edward uh, from Twilight uh, Batman, right? Exactly. Indeed. Oh, Which I'm man. hoping will be okay, but might not be. But no, he was great in Tenet. He's this not a true. bad actor. Yeah, he's not a That's bad actor. True. Um, yeah. and, and I'm hopeful. He always says he regrets Twilight, too. So I feel like that's a mean thing. You to know hold what? Yeah. I regret Twilight as well. <laughs> <laughs> the state of Washington regrets Twilight. Oh, my. I regret going to Forks one time. Yes, I did go, <laughs> I did go to Forks. Oh, 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 oh. man. That's to be fair, we were passing through. We were just passing through. Uh, passing anyway, through, hey, there is nothing over there. Well, we were in we were in Port Angeles, the Olympic National Park. Yeah, we were in Port Angeles. We went and did a hike, and then we went all the way over to the coast to uh, to La Push, actually. Um, okay, it, it's a beautiful beach over there. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Um, this has been exciting to see how our characters have done uh, with some of their new skills, some of their uh, some of their respect abilities, some of their um, other things going on. Wink, wink, Roost. I'm looking your way. Anyway, if you like what we're doing, go leave us a review, rate us, tell your friends, you know, to come check us out. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for us. And it seems like the, uh, from what we hear from you guys, you're having a lot of fun listening as well. So until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>